Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, October 14th. In today's news, Joe Biden's son will resign from the board of a Chinese investment company closely linked to the Communist Party. President Trump's ambassador to the EU plans to testify that if there was a quid pro quo, it was not a corrupt one. And Simone Biles proves that she is history's greatest gymnast during an exciting win for Team USA. But first, the big idea. President Trump's decision to withdraw U.S. troops from northern Syria, where they have long kept an uneasy peace among competing forces, has left the region in upheaval and the administration scrambling to respond to fast-moving events. In urgent meetings and telephone conferences, top national security officials on Sunday studied often conflicting accounts of what was happening on the ground. As one senior administration official put it yesterday afternoon, this is total chaos. This official said that although the Turks gave guarantees to us that U.S. forces would not be harmed, Syrian militias allied with them are running up and down roads, ambushing and attacking vehicles, putting American forces as well as civilians in danger, even as they withdraw. At the same time, the Islamic State continues to be active in the area, and Russian troops and Syrian forces under the command of Bashar al-Assad are moving in as well. Islamic State militants are also escaping the prisons in the area. A U.S. official confirms that the American forces were unable to carry out plans to move several dozen high-value ISIS detainees to more secure locations. Another U.S. official says that multiple Kurdish-run detention facilities are now unguarded and that the U.S. military believes hundreds of pro-ISIS detainees have escaped. In other words, the nightmare scenario is coming to fruition. This is happening after Trump decided late Saturday to remove all of the roughly 1,000 U.S. troops from the area as a Turkish invasion targeting U.S.-allied Syrian-Kurdish fighters against the Islamic State expanded deeper into Syrian territory. White House officials say the perception that U.S. troops were in increasing danger as Turkey and its militias attacked border towns and continued their advance led to Trump's withdrawal announcement. Despite knowing its location, Turkey launched multiple artillery rounds on Friday near a U.S. special operations outpost in the area. Syrian government forces aided by Russia and Iran have long been held in abeyance by informal lines of control bordering these Kurdish-held areas that are under U.S. supervision. They're seizing the vacuum created by the U.S. pullout. The Kurdish fighters, outmanned and outgunned by the Turks and their Syrian allies, announced late Sunday night that they have invited Syrian government forces into towns and cities that have been under their control for years. Abandoned by America, they say they have no other choice. The announcement by the Syrian Democratic Forces further undermines the prospect of any continued U.S. presence in the country, and the deal will bring forces loyal to Assad back into towns and cities that have been under Kurdish control for seven years now. This followed three days of negotiations brokered by Russia between the Syrian government forces and the SDF. It represents a gamble for the Kurds, who appeared to have secured no guarantees for the survival of the autonomy they have secured, but they really feel like it's the only path to survival. Pentagon officials, both civilians and those in uniform, are more openly expressing their anger and disappointment at Trump's response to the crisis. Green Berets and other special operations forces said that the planning surrounding this retreat, which has erased years of hard-won gains, is even more chaotic and rushed than understood. It's a chilling story.
And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar as we start the week. Number one, Hunter Biden will resign from the board of a Chinese investment company by the end of this month and promises not to do any work for foreign firms if his father is elected president. Hunter Biden's lawyer said that in a statement on Sunday. The lawyer, George Masiris, refused to say how much money Hunter Biden earned from his work in Ukraine for Burisma. Some reports have said he was paid as much as $50,000 a month for a directorship that lasted five years. But the lawyer said Hunter was paid nothing for his service as a director for this Chinese company, and he's yet to make a profit from his 2017 purchase of a 10% stake in that company, which the lawyer says is worth only $430,000. Much about Hunter Biden's China dealings is unknown because many records of the company are not public, and he's declined repeated interview requests to discuss his work. But there's a lot that is really quite sketchy. His involvement in the investment company He's stepping down from Hazard's roots in 2012 when his father was running for re-election as vice president. Jonathan Lee, a Chinese businessman who would become the chief executive, was friendly with an American investor named Devin Archer. At the time, Archer was a partner in an investment company with Hunter Biden. In 2012, Lee visited Archer in New York to find a suitable investment partner. He met with Archer, who recommended himself. It's not clear whether Hunter Biden ever did anything other than provide his high-profile name and a connection to the vice president of the United States that might lure investors. The joint venture took months to be finalized, but approval was near when Joe and Hunter Biden arrived together aboard Air Force Two in Beijing in December 2013. Joe Biden later summarized his talks with the Chinese leader, Xi Jinping, by dismissing the notion that China posed any kind of economic threat to the United States. The day after the vice president held talks with Xi, he and Hunter were at the hotel where the American delegation was staying, Hunter introduced Lee, the Chinese businessman, to his father. Twelve days after the Bidens arrived in Beijing, the business filing was completed. Archer was named vice chairman. Hunter Biden became a director. The other partners included Chinese entities with close ties to the communist government, including the Bank of China, one of the biggest state-owned commercial banks in the country. Number two. The U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sundland, intends to tell Congress this week that the content of a text message he wrote denying a quid pro quo with Ukraine was relayed to him directly by Trump in a phone call. Sundland plans to tell lawmakers he has no knowledge of whether the president was telling him the truth at that moment. A person familiar with Sundland's plain testimony who spoke to us with the ambassador's permission said he will say that for several months before the September 9th text, he worked at the direction of Rudy Giuliani, Trump's personal attorney, to secure what he would call in another text message the deliverable sought by Trump. The so-called deliverable was a public statement from Ukraine's new president that he would investigate corruption, including mentioning Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company where Hunter Biden was a director. In exchange for the statement, the president would then grant Ukraine's new president a coveted meeting at the White House. The person familiar with Sunland's testimony said, quote, it was a quid pro quo, but not a corrupt one. Sunland appears poised to say that he and other diplomats had no idea that the request to mention Burisma was really an effort to impugn the reputation of Hunter Biden. Sunland contends that he had no idea that there was a Biden connection until the whistleblower complaint and transcript surfaced in late September. To trust Sunland's testimony, though, members of Congress would have to believe that Sunland did not see any of many televised appearances by Giuliani over the spring and summer, or numerous newspaper and magazine articles questioning whether Hunter Biden's role at Burisma would prove to be a drag on his father's campaign. 
For months, Sunland's deep involvement in issues related to Ukraine struck dis- diplomats in both Brussels and Washington as highly irregular. After all, he's the envoy to the European Union, which does not include Ukraine. Former U.S. officials have said Sunland viewed the Ukraine assignment as critical to curring Trump's favor and auditioning for a more senior job in the administration. Number three. For some happier news, American gymnast Simone Biles always crackles with supercharged power, style, and creativity that can't be reduced to metal counts. Even the unschooled eye can tell that she's something special, a once-in-a-generation athlete. She performs seemingly impossible feats, and she does them with joy. But for those who do care about statistics, Biles delivered a history-making share of them on Sunday during the final day of the World Gymnastics Championships in Stuttgart, Germany. She broke the record for the most world medals earned by a gymnast, male or female, in winning the 24th of her career. It was a gold on the balance beam. Then, after a short lunch break, she returned to the arena and won another gold. It was for her floor exercise, with a routine that included a stunning, triple-twisting, double somersault. She's the only person who's ever successfully landed it in competition. That extended her record to 25 medals. The competitive shelf life of elite female gymnasts is sadly short. Only the rare champions manage to extend their careers to two Olympic cycles, as Biles will do next summer at the 2020 Tokyo Games. Those who do tend to shift their emphasis from athleticism to artistry as they mature and their bodies age. What makes Biles peerless is that she continues to evolve in both the difficulty and artistry of her skills. At 22, she is doing more difficult gymnastics than she did in sweeping to five Olympic medals, four of them gold, at the 2016 Games in Rio when she was 19. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, October 14th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.